Welcome back to another episode of the Juicebox podcast. Today we'll be talking with Zug. Zug was an early Juicebox DAO contributor, founder of Canu DAO, and previous community lead for DAO launcher Origami. In this episode, we discuss his experience working for both companies and DAOs, how bots can help build and maintain communities, and get his take on how DAOs have evolved over the last two years. He also gives us his advice for launching a DAO and how to build community, the DAO and coordination tooling that he's most excited about going forward, and his reflections on attending crypto conferences over the last couple of years. This episode was one of our most chaotic behind the scenes. It was recorded in two parts because of internet connectivity issues and features interruptions by deliveries, grandmas, kids ringing doorbells, dogs, planes, the list goes on. Despite all of this, we rolled with it, and we hope you enjoy this friendly conversation with Sug. All right. Uh, welcome, Sug. Welcome back to the JuiceCast, I guess I should say. Thank you so much for joining us today. How are you doing? Oh, all good. Excited, excited to be back. It's been a little bit, uh, and well, excited to have been following up the episodes and JuiceBox and a little bit from afar now. So glad to be back. Yeah. So anyone listening who doesn't know, Zig was the guest on episode two of the Juice Cast way back when. Uh, so that was back when Nicholas was hosting. We weren't the hosts yet. But uh, I wonder, maybe Zig, we could start with your background. So maybe you could tell us like how you first got involved with crypto and all of this, and yeah, just like the Zig origin story. We want to hear all about it. I got into this crazy crypto world through Juicebox, actually. I think the, the first project I ever got involved was Tiles, uh, from Tiles DAO. That was one of the first Juicebox projects, like with the Juicebox DAO itself, the first Juicebox projects we had. And uh, I got into this crazy world because of DAOs. I, I mean, I knew crypto was around. Uh, I was not too inter- interested in finance, but coordination and the idea of DAO, centralized autonomous organization in itself, sounded very interesting. Have a background in a little bit of development, a little bit of design, a little bit of politics, a few years focusing in each of those areas. When I saw DAO, I was like, okay, let's go. Uh, got in through tiles through JB, started understanding how to get those those things working. How do, what is it actually about when you go to the rabbit hole that you're like, 16 hour days on your computer, like, I need to understand what this is about. This is insane. Uh, and well, been a coordination nerd around the spaces since then. I'm from Brazil. I have worked before crypto, mostly in, in innovation for health, for education, sustainability, uh, mostly looking into new ways to solve uh, old problems. And that was kind of showed a good door for that. So I jumped at first and been here since. Awesome. And so from Juicebox, you founded Canudao, which comes from the Portuguese word canudo, uh, which means straw, like for sucking straw out of a juice box. I wonder if you could tell us more about Canu's mission and what you were all working on. Uh, yeah. So back then, uh, we we're working with tiles, uh, doing communities, saying hello to people, like welcoming, you need help, how do you do this thing, like creating ways to engage and explore the art and the NFT in there, like beyond what the, the system uh, 
gave us, like getting uh, what's the human part that can be happening here at the same time. And we started doing that for Juicebox also, for the Juicebox DAO. So now it was me and MVH and we we're doing two different DAOs and they're like, okay, you're doing one, I'm doing the other, or are we gonna do both or how do we organize this? Well, we should find a way that we can do it together. Canoe starts this way and then it starts getting requested by many other groups like, okay, can you do it for us also? And we're like, no, we can't. We don't have time for doing like 10 DAOs at the same time. That's like not, not something you can do, but we could maybe teach more people how to do this because there are lots of people coming in here, people who work with community management or anything that's similar to that in Web2 that don't understand Web3 or understand Web3, but don't understand community. We grew up to a point where in the end we're like around nine, 10 people, maybe 12 at some point. And we're handling some communities, some projects, some new developments of bots, start getting developers with us to build the tools that we needed and couldn't find. At some point, we understood that the education path we're trying to do, we were not capacitated to that. We didn't know anything about creating education at that point. And we were not finding a good model where we could be at the same time uh, providing the service for our clients and training people and dealing with like it was not enough bandwidth. Uh, the projects that we were involved with started demanding more time and we dissolved Canoe uh, so we could, each one of us, focus in those projects. This was about one year running uh, where we touched a good amount of communities, uh, looked into what were the main issues uh, in those and tried to find solutions. I think that mostly everyone who was in there took part of that knowledge ahead to whatever they went building, but Canoe shut down about one year ago now. I remember the tagline used to be like a community of communities. And I think what's interesting about like your, I guess I should say Canoe DAO's like approach to community isn't just about like what the community is, like it's about like how to actually manage it and how you can use bots to help people organize and find the things that they want to find within a Discord. Like in the context of like Juicebox, like if someone is like very casual, isn't really a contributor, but you know, they want to feel engaged in some way, there's like the GM bot and you know, there's that whole like gamified aspect. Or if they're interested in governance, there's like the governance bot that helps keep things on schedule. So I think it's interesting like the way that you think about communities. And I was wondering if you could talk a little bit more about like what you think it means to like actually be a community manager. Well, I think Canoe went on that path mainly for being born uh, around just box communities, right? So we were looking at this amazing system that now lets you create and manage things. You can come here and use software to reduce managerial effort, to just make people have uh, time and availability to focus on what they want to be doing instead of having to do the boring part that needs to be done. Let's just automate what needs to be done and do what we want. And at that, community became the next thing that was very managerial. The thought uh, at that point was, well, if we automate as much as we can, that will likely solve a big part of it. After understanding at what level we could develop those integrations, what already existed, I started seeing that doing the community management manually in there, being there as the admin or the mod on the server was just half as fun as setting up all the bots that would do that uh, magically in there, which took me to see that 
I could do that on more levels than just communities. So we could be looking at tokenomics, we could be looking at governance, we could be looking at partnerships, be looking at how you find freelance, how you create bounties, how you create reputation. And then I start seeing all those little things that you can automate and you get the web tree superpower of composability. So like you're not only automating, but you're also integrating and suddenly things are communicating by itself. And well, the DAOs are suddenly less dependent on humans. Humans give it the course where it should point towards, but the autonomous organization is just running by itself. It's getting things into places. And as long as the stakeholders are there and helping it to move, it keeps going that way, which is just abstracting the community management part of what I was doing. Since then, I've met amazing community managers in different communities that also show me that uh, there's a lot to be done in the human side that I had no idea that they're like very good with. Uh, special shout out like to Oops. Uh, Oops is this Discord wizard that a couple of months ago made me see all the community part as something uh, fun to explore again. I think the process of trying to reduce the effort of community management so it could scale better uh, and it could be more uh, friendly to beginners when the market was booming and everybody needed community managers and no one could find them. At that point, making it as easy as possible was very important. That sense of canoe being this community of community managers where we could know what's going on in different groups and build knowledge together around that. I think that sort of space, but not necessarily for community management community managers is what drives me uh, more now, creating those external spaces that are external to every community, but they are uh, welcoming to every community at the same time, right? You, you, here's a, a, a space to, to share a federation or whatever we want, we want to call it in crypto web tree modern terms. Yeah, this, this collection of independent groups that can coordinate through some point because uh, it's all coordination and then we don't coordinate with each other. We have a thousand DAOs and they're all trying to coordinate inside and they, do, they forget to say, hey, what's up to the other DAO? <laughs> and I think that, that, that those spaces are, are more what drives me into community now than specifically one community to like understand and engage. So I, I guess Juicebox would have been your first DAO that you were a, a member of or potential, I guess, tiles, but then very soon after, like Juicebox, because you were one of the first five contributors at Juicebox DAO, or you, you were like one of definitely one of the earliest uh, contributors there. I, I'm wondering, like looking back on the kind of crazy experiment of Juicebox DAO, like I, I'm wondering what are some of the the takeaways from that experience or, or things that you that you learned from your time, like in the trenches early on and in DAOs? I have the feeling of on Juicebox that like some of the main takeaways I have from it are, are my main takeaways from crypto very early. Maybe big part of my mindset in, in crypto is still coming from, from that. That is like, no one really knows. I think that's the one I like because I carried this with me before. I had a pin for years, like since I was like 20. I lost it a while ago. They say just like no one really knows. And I remember being very early in there and not really knowing how those things work, how DAOs work, how governance works. And I asked around, like, I want to make this, I want to implement it and get it running. How should I do it? Like, how does it work? And everybody like, I don't know, find a way. 
create your way. No one has the answer. This is all experimentation. Go and think how you think it should work. Find how you imagine it would be good and go do it. I think that put together with the idea of you don't necessarily have to go running after, after clients and growth. You have to build very good shit. Build very good shit. That's first. Then we think how we move. I think those two things put together kind of form a lot of what I understand uh, as a basis for all the other projects I've built. I'm not sure if I was one of the first contributors though, because I've never really understood uh, who was in Boostbox before launch, to be honest. I know that as we launched, I think that maybe we were four or five, maybe six. I know we, like we had Sage and Mias, we had Perry and Django, we had Exikias. There might have been some more people that I forgot about, and I'm sorry, guys. There was already like about 200 people in the server that were like testing and talking about it. We grew from those 200 to 16 pretty fast and then to 16,000 and it just kept going on those growth inspired moments of 2021 and 2022. But yeah, I think that's a lot of what I've, I've learned has been like, especially helping build our first governance models when we're like, okay, now this is running and we got fees going in. How do we move them? <laughs> like, we know technically exactly all we got to do, but how are we going to coordinate this? Uh, I remember Unicornio coming to our server. It was this guy that out of nowhere just shows up, sees that we're starting to discuss how are we going to do our first proposals. And he's like, I've done that a lot. You guys want help? We can do a sesh every other week. And we just start working together. Start like those first drafts, getting their, their feedback which would with, with time turn to Nicholas making the first revamp into a more complex system that could handle everything better. It would get into a thousand different hands of Philip bringing lots of improvements here and there. And then it's now a thousand different hands making this beautiful. I definitely learned how to do this doing it with Juicebox. Like I had no previous experience and we we're just like, yeah, well, no one knows. Let's just find a way to do it because we can't wait for an expert or trying to find one because there are none. So let's just find our way. And then you started working at Origami in September 2022, which in some ways is similar as like a platform that helps people build DAOs. I think on the landing page, it says like DAO operating system. I was wondering if you could tell us a bit about Origami and what you were working on there and maybe some of the lessons that you learned there. Uh, yes, I actually, I joined Origami a little bit earlier than that. I think it was June or July, but I went full-time in September. Mm. Had this conversation uh, with some of the founding team there uh, that was looking for someone to work community management to have this like a DAO look into the communities. And they were looking for someone to do that job. And they were telling me about what they were going to build and what needed to be done. And I was like, yeah, I have someone to tell you. It's me. Like, yeah, let's go. This sounds fun. Let's do it. But I, at first moment, we were doing uh, part-time because I still had a proposal running in Juicebox that I could not fulfill if I did full-time there and then went full-time full in. Uh, Origami does a lot of things. It's kind of hard to describe for me exactly what it is. Uh, it is a DAO launcher. I think this is like the best the best descriptor. It's a Dell launcher that has a focus or had, I don't know, since I left it, things might have changed a bit. 
but it had this DAO, this focus on onboarding communities that are not in DAOs yet, but want to, to do this and make it very, very easy for those uh, non-native members to be able to understand and use a DAO structure, not because you're not a crypto experienced person, you should not be able to use the advantages of a DAO with your community. It uses a lot of similar models to what Orange DAO is. It has crosses and similarities on the founding teams uh, here and there. It, it, it was a very nice experience. Like it showed me a part of crypto investment startup or that was not very clear to me. I mean, joining through the anarchist DAO part of this bubble, like where we're just, well, we don't know, let's find out, let's create ways. You have a proposal, propose it. We'll see how, like, it's a different way to work. It's a more structured DAO system where you use committees. So you have to, you're able to lower the recurring governance tasks that members have to go through. So you are able to allocate some of those tasks to committees that you elect uh, every now and then. It's more similar to to some traditional structures uh, of work and investment in lots of senses. And that makes it just way easier for people who are used to those uh, to get in. It loses some of the flexibility and the superpowers that DAOs can bring. It's that choice about uh, getting the superpowers and now you can't really use them because governance is just too hard and the system is just too complex and everyone just went away because you posted a 25 page proposal here and no one voted. No, that, that like, Things like, like this that you'll see all around and, and now like that gets a little bit smaller. You lose some superpowers, you gain some efficiency. There's ups and downs for all choices we make on those designs. Definitely learn uh, a lot in there. And I heard recently uh, a friend that I had, they told him they were not taking clients anymore. I'm not sure how's that going in the moment, what, what they're planning. Uh, they have a very competent team. Wonder what are they seeing in the market too not info that I have anymore, although I am very curious. <laughs> you basically went from one end of the spectrum to the other, like working for Juicebox, which is, if there was a DAO that was the Wild West, I mean, it's probably Juicebox. I mean, it, it's definitely more on the like anarchy side that, like you said, and then going from there to origami, which although it's like DAO tooling, it is like a, it's like a company. It's a, no, it's, it's know, a corporation, startup. whatever yeah, you want to call it. Yeah. So I'm wondering, like, how, how did you feel after having all of this, like, deep experience working for DAOs and then going to this private company structure? Like, how, how did you feel about work and your, your ability to, like, do a job and relate to your coworkers and stuff? Like, how was that different for you? That was a big change in good and bad sides, right? So first of all, if you've been working for DAOs for a few a few years, a few months, and you're going crazy every time you have to redo your proposals, a contract feels fucking great. <laughs> that, that is a, a thing that feels good to have a signed paper. Although it doesn't really make a difference in the end, like you can just get cut from one day to the other in any, most companies anyway, right? Like that'll go to state law and stuff, like depending on where you are and what laws you're messing with. But I mean, most of the globe, like you just get out anyway, and then it comes without timings, right? Uh, like at proposals, you normally have, oh, I have a three month period that's approved and that's running. There's always the, the necessity of reapproval and not all DAOs are smooth, not all processes are kind, and not everyone should have to go through mentally exhausting processes to keep doing things that they're doing well 
just because someone inside doesn't like them or some shit like this, right? There, there are bads and goods. I feel like I could have contributed more to origami in ways that I could do in juice box that I couldn't, even in one year there, I don't think I've readapted enough to get autonomy inside the hierarchy. I got it used to full autonomy. So the fact that I need someone to do something for me means that they are literally the person who's going to do it, their part and I mine. The centralization comes with a necessity of communication as someone needs to have all info to call the shots, right? As you're in the case of origami, that was Ben who was the CEO. And man, I trust that guy to call the shots. Like he's good at doing that. I think we uh, did a very good job for uh, the communities we lived in there. But there was always this feeling that I was not being able to put my 100% because at some point I'd have to ask something. And that's unavoidable in a startup. And that's good when you have experienced people leading. But for sure, the feeling, the perception of it's different was clear for me. The relations work differently from DAO to DAO, and they work different from startup to startup. So I don't think that was too, too hard of a problem for me in origami, but yeah, it's definitely changes even more from DAO to startup than from DAO to DAO. In addition to thinking about DAOs versus companies, I mean, in like both of them, you've been working on building other like DAOs like for nearly two, two years now. So I wanted to ask, like, why are you passionate about DAOs? Like, what keeps bringing you back to this idea of digital communities and decentralized coordination and governance? Because I see that most problems are coordination problems, and we really suck at coordination. Like, I don't really deeply care about DAOs. <laughs> I care about humans coordinating well. And at this point in time, DAOs are the best thing I see for experimenting with human coordination because it's in a space with like a lot of innovation and resources to try while moving fast. Like the other space we can try is something connected to the UN. And then, no, oh, I don't want to mess with that shit. People like people are shooting people and people are clapping. I'm, I, I don't, I don't want to get involved with any of that. So, I mean, we have a lot of scammers and bad things in crypto too. But I'm definitely going to take that a hundred times over the guys we're dealing with at the weapons. So I think this is a very good space for learning, learning coordination better. We read an article that you wrote on, on Medium, uh, a little bit about Dao. It was written maybe like five or six months after Dao got started. And you wrote that in a deeply digital ecosystem, communities are normally the make or break characteristic of any initiatives. So I'm wondering, like, from your experience, not only like as a community manager, but also like as a DAO contributor, and then working to build other DAOs, what challenges do you see uh, facing community building right now and facing DAOs, like, especially because we're in a period of time where the market is sort of depressed and sentiment is kind of like so-so, like, how do you see like these challenges facing community building and trying to cultivate an audience and and bring people together to make initiatives successful? Because this seems like a huge challenge right now when things aren't as euphoric and ecstatic with the market. So I'm just curious to hear 
some thoughts on that. I completely forgot that I've written that. So you say, uh, oh, you found this piece you wrote. I'm like, oh my God, I used to write, right? That sentence kind of stays like, and it inhabits my brain in the sense that we do not have walkways, right? There is no business standing on your path to work and back unless people are interacting and able to get that uh, to each other, right? To get reason to belong and to stay and to come back. Getting anything working depends on people coming back there. Unless it's like fully autonomous and then it's DAOs without humans and then you don't need a, a community at all. But if there's at any point where, where a community is a part of, of that, giving it proper attention is definitely a good question on what is proper attention, right? What is the proper movement for this community? I think this goes through some points that are worth observing, like uh, designing incentives is something that can never follow a formula so far in my brain, or like I haven't seen different communities having very similar incentive designs. And an airdrop is not incentive design. It's just an incentive push through. It's nice. We like free monies, but like incentive design, it's not about like thinking how much money am I going to be able to give to my community all the time, right? It's giving them something more than that. It's giving them capacity to build something that actually uh, impacts their life, reputation, career, work, money. But like, it's not as simple as, as minimal as just like thinking, yeah, there is money. So this is enough. We'll have a good community. Now you have a good, a lot of uh, people. Uh, is that money also related to how you're governing our, yourselves? Ooh, okay. So now you're giving a lot of governance power into whoever is willing to give money to the people who are hungry for money and willing to give their power away. Okay, so now we start getting in weird situations. I think I was very lucky to get in this through Juicebox. First, because we were creating our ideas kind of like from scratch and inspiration, like we were not copy-pasting any other system. We were trying to do it all our way. I think that one of the lucky parts of getting first in Juicebox is that the incentive structure that Juicebox provides that lets us have the builders that are there creating stuff uh, keep a good power over what they're creating. For my first trial of thinking a community design with incentives, a system that could be powerful enough so we could try and find all those different mechanics, that was definitely a, a good formative experience. Yeah, go ahead, pull it through. Thanks, bud. All right, so we are back for a special part two to this episode of the Zig because we had a couple issues with the internet connectivity in the part one. So we're going to come back at you with part two. So welcome back, Zig. Thank you <laughs> for joining us once again. So yeah, we're just going to pick up where we left off and just keep going. So thanks for being with us a second time, Zig. Well, my pleasure. Always, always fun to have a bit more of a conversation. Let's go. If you had to give someone advice to anyone that is planning to launch a DAO and how they can effectively build their community, what is one piece of advice that you would give to them? Thinking of building a DAO... I think that there is one thing that is the most common mistake I see, that is people are trying to build a DAO because they want to build a DAO, but they have no goal for the DAO. So create a DAO that does something, like try to solve an actual problem 
try to actually connect people that care to solve that. That can be having an actual business model. That can be having a community around a certain topic. It doesn't have to be a business necessarily, but like know what's the goal there. I think having clarity of the goal, having that shared clearly, like having clarity of why is it a DAO? Like what are you governing? How are you doing this? Like to, to build community, there are like many different paths. I think content is many times still king on the digital era. So Web 2 or Web 3, like having having good content for community is essential. Having clarity of what type of community that is is essential. But like people want to want to know what they're getting into. They want to know what they can do to help. They don't want to figure out everything by themselves the whole time. Having the freedom to figure out and change it is great. And DAOs are great for that. But if you just get a bunch of people together and say, hey, we're a DAO now and we're going to change the world. Oh, how? Oh, that doesn't help. Like people come in because we have this amazing content and they're going to find absolutely nothing to do. No way they can easily get access to having voice and to moving things together or to getting tasks and actually putting their energy, their effort, their passion, like into the move. It might be the most important part, making sure that your members uh, know where they're going as they join. And I'll give one second pause, take the clear cut there, because I think someone is at my gate. We are the luckiest okay. motherfuckers ever. Like, no one will leave me in peace to do this fucking episode. There's someone in my gate. I'll be right back. It's okay, Zig. <laughs> Motherfucking kid rang the bell and ran. You got Nikki Nikki nine door? Yeah. I, and the worst thing is I am waiting for an important delivery that it can arrive anytime this week. So normally I just ignore it because they do it a lot, but now I kind of like have to take it. It's like the fourth time this week that I go there and I just see the kids running away in the end of the street. <laughs> yeah, it's all <sighs> good. Uh, Bradley was just saying that we should, for, for this episode, every question that we do, we should each be in a different location, you know, so that <laughs> every segment is like in a... <laughs> is in a different uh, a different area and we can go outside and then inside and then in the basement and then like on you know everywhere and then <laughs> we'll have all of our bases covered <laughs> we can make one 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 question in the beach and then there's like the oldest wind sound and it's like gonna sound terrible but that's like a unique experience for very eccentric listeners yeah, it can be like an ASMR episode. We just hear the waves in the distance and just we can just think about DAOs. We don't need to talk about them. We can just listen to the waves. <laughs> As a follow up to the first question, how do you feel this challenge of building community? Like what, what is this like right now in more difficult market conditions versus when you started? Because you would have started contributing to Juicebox like 2021 era when things were like very different than now. I'm just curious, like if, if you thought a little bit about how community building has changed from like a bull market vibe to a bear market vibe. I think the bear market vibe is more similar to what normally building communities is, right? Like I think the bull market is just, it is the exception, right? Prices are going up, news are saying people are getting millionaires trading it, monkey drawings online. And everyone is excited and looking for both like looking for what is this thing and where is the money. So people are flowing in and you just got to show them that they can stay there. And in the, in the bull market, it's just like 
Give them easy ways to make money because it's easy to make money now. On the bear, we go back to actually needing a reason for people to stay. So I think in the bear, the conditions I was talking about are more real. During the bull, like you want to build community during the bull, just like find whatever is a hype, give your, your community ways that they can make money and they'll stay because they're turning, turning that into part of important part of their lives. And I think this is the, the catch, right? Like make it an important part of their lives. If it is, uh, it becomes an actual community where they stay. And uh, during the bear or during like in any other type of environment, like in web two, in social media, in gaming, in whatever it is, like you gotta create this. It's not gonna create be created by itself because there is a big pump and everyone is like following through. I think especially for crypto in the bear, we have this very big negativity. This is a game that costs money to play, gas ain't cheap. I think that during uh, the bear, we go back to like having to do good content, actually provide value. And that doesn't have to be financial value. I think that's part of the negativity, part of the confusion. Like we don't, you don't have to create thousands of dollars for your members. So they stay, uh, if they're doing something they care about, they're staying because we're giving them the space and the opportunity to do something they care. When you go there, you see that people who are actually on the ground, hands-on doing things that changes their local community, that changes their daily lives, then they're staying. And I'll take the click cut again, because now it's my delivery. Now I saw the guy. Very lucky day, guys. <laughs> wow. Go for it. Okay, good part is that now I have my delivery. So if the kids ring again, I don't have to go anymore. I've been looking for this moment the whole week. I can just say, fuck it. <laughs> Oh, okay. Well, very happy that you got the delivery. That's clutch. So I actually don't even know what it is. It's my father's delivery. He just asked me to pay attention. I don't even know what's in the box. <laughs> so the, the mystery has been has been delivered. So in terms of DAOs and coordination, like what are you most excited about going forward from this point? We're still at a relative low point, you know, in the market and sentiment. People still are pretty negative, but Going forward, you must be excited, hopefully still, about the potential for DAOs and uh, coordinating in this way. So I wonder if there's any tooling that you're particularly interested in, new things coming out, and what it is about the potential for DAOs that you see as the most like inspiring or exciting going forward. I am always excited about coordination. I still think DAOs are at this moment the most interesting experiment that we have in fast development and fast creation of new ways to do things that makes uh, human coordination better. And like we're actually learning how we do this on the digital era, like how do we use all this big amount of tech, big amount of tooling that we have now to actually do things better instead of just letting it sit there and get millions of funding to build things and then they're never actually used in things that matter beyond corporations. Every couple weeks, there's something new that I'm like, ooh, this is nice. Uh, there's Joke Race that I did not meet recently, but they, have, they did a big change recently. So I'm pretty excited their new approach to, to governance or not necessarily governance that that thing can do a thousand different things. But for, for my interest that is using it for governance, it's pretty solid now. Uh, so Joe Race has been pretty exciting. I've recently met uh, this project called DAO DAO. 
that builds DAO infrastructure for a multi-chain future. Really liked what I saw there. I don't think it changes uh, the game too much. It just improves and expands many games we're already playing, like make it uh, better uh, for, for using. I have been finally seeing some of the famous Discord killers uh, finally turning into uh, things that are actually actually usable. So uh, I think there's com.app and common ground. And I hear the Charmverse now also has forum features. So I think those together start getting a bit of a change on how community can work or where is the community bound to. That for me is for sure exciting. I'm a big fan of Discord. I used it for years before crypto and I'm happy to keep using it, but it is a lot many times. So understanding that there are different communities and they might need different platforms. We're not going towards a future where there is the central hub communication platform and we're all bound there. And that's our daily life. See the purple bluish box with the little robot inside and get freaked every time it pings. Like, it can be many different robots and many different things for you to freak out. I think that's a more healthy feature. I like the thing that the team from Wonderverse is building for Wonder Community. Recently got a demo from them. On the ERC part of life, like on the direct, directly like on the token standards and things like this, I have been pretty excited with 6551. Beautiful idea of NFTs as having their own wallets. It's so weird and at the same time so powerful still looking for something that can make it very easy for me to use them with clients like i've had so far like a good few different use cases where that would be interesting and have not been able to actually use it as well as i'd like so there is a product part in there there's still to come but it's very interesting tact for anyone who doesn't know uh, the standard uh, allows basically any token, I guess. I've only seen that for ERC721s, for NFTs, uh, to have their own wallets. So when you're transferring your NFT, you can have reputations, badges, other NFTs, other tokens that are all in the wallet of the NFT. So you just send the NFT. So like for gaming, this is like game changer. For like content creation, this is a game changer. So this moves a lot of things forward for tech integration. As a spoiler for uh, things I haven't said yet, I'm joining uh, Nan's team back and I'm pretty excited with the directions we're going there, like having this idea of looking at different styles of governance and making them easier and more compatible on how you navigate through them. Like you're in many different DAOs and they all look and feel different and their processes are all different. So having a more cohesive experience, people can get lost less often and voter apathy decreases is a very interesting thing for me on the ground projects like there's this agroforest DAO uh, happening in brazil now so like looking to DAOs and on-chain sales for financing uh food forests and making like actually selling food on-chain through financing the plantation of it it's pretty exciting there's Africa Defy Alliance. I've been in touch with them recently too, and I'm building a DAO to work with uh, small size loans in Africa, like looking at places where finance systems that we take for granted in many places in the Northwestern world. 
just understanding that that system is not only failing in those places but it fails even harder in others and there's things to build in there that can actually like have day-to-day -day impact in people's lives and learning how to coordinate that as like a public good localized and managed by like a balance of relevant stakeholders is something that's definitely exciting so i think a bit of what excites me right now is not only seeing the new tools but looking at many of the tools we're already being using and finding new implementations new integrations where they can do way more for way more people and with the massive amount of l2s we have now like how cheap that can go and how far that can go it's always exciting to be doing real world projects and knowing that like we can do it way better now because we were doing on-chain projects for a long time and we learned a lot of, and now we can use those things to actually create food and money and housing for people who are off-chain no corners completely that kind of thing definitely excites me it's interesting how you mention like talking about real world applications and it, it reminds me of how you spend a lot of time like actually going around the world going to conferences like you've been in america europe and africa and like a lot of these different places speaking about community whether that was about juicebox or origami or other organizations and what do you feel like you've learned like from going to those conferences and like what is it that you like about the IRL conferences and like how they bridge different communities together under different circumstances, whether it's like a NFT focused conference or something more about DAOs or just more broadly about Web3. I just wondered if you could share a little bit about that side of your crypto experience. Yeah, I do love conferences. Uh, they are intense and they take a lot of energy if you want to be there and be present and getting like the most of it. They, I think the number one thing that makes them exciting for me is that they mix uh, the same crew that is nomading in a certain region. And well, you're nomading and there's a conference there, you know, some of your friends are going to be there. So you might as well go there and meet them. And maybe you don't even get a ticket. And maybe you've already been to like five conferences the last couple of months and now like you're just going to be in the city so you can meet people, meet the friends that you're missing or something. And at the same time, they got local community in there. So like you got many different types of crazy nerds and many different types of crazy nerds together is a beautiful, powerful thing. I feel that a part of what I've learned on conferences has been by the diversity of places we go. And most of the places we go, there are projects that will be looking to things on the ground, on the city, local projects that are happening there and integrate them very well. I think that is like very powerful so we can see like people who we can't see very well anymore, right? Like we got too big, too fast, and then Twitter turned shit. So you get the mix of too many people with a lack of decent communication platforms uh, for like mass spread. So right now we don't have like this walkway right when you're doing a business in a city and you have your your door in a walkway people will just pass by discord and telegram can't do that and right now twitter can't really also so we're kind of like lost for a means of uh, finding new publics and integrating new people uh the conferences have been very interesting in that sense like meeting different ideas meeting different builders seeing projects that i 
never thought that I had this problem, but now that you say you can solve it, like this definitely makes my life easier. That kind of thing that was like 2021, that was like happening quite some on Twitter. And now I can't really find too much of that anymore. So I think the conference have been filling up that role. There's a lot of eye to eye that makes a big difference for me. I'm a very human connected human, <laughs> you know, like I like that we, we roam this world in unique physical bodies and we share different experiences with different people. And it's part of what I miss a bit of being fully digital. Like before I started conferencing, I spent one year doing Sunday to Sunday, many hours a day crypto. So I did miss quite a lot being able to go and meet people, especially because turning projects into hands-on on the ground projects becomes a little bit easier. I don't know why, but it becomes a little bit easier when you have this, this eye to eye factor into it. Like you want to do something in the real world and now you know another person in the real world. But there is, there is a, a, a special magic in, in meeting people face to face that uh, adds something to it. And there's also like this big mass that I think is a very good creative chaos. There's like all the side events around the main conference, right? So you have a big event and you have all those little side options that will happen at the same time. And you start like looking at who's going where and who you're talking to and what is interesting and what talks are to each, happening in each place. And you kind of have to choose. It will be recorded, but you're not going to watch it. So like... The, the thing is being there and asking the questions and talking to people. So you kind of have to pick. So we kind of start looking into like, what are you prioritizing right now? Like you go to FCC and you have a thousand side events. You need to have clarity. You need to find clarity. Like, what am I doing here? What's the goal? Like, am I here for fun? Am I here for philosophy? Am I here for business? What area? What people? So you get to experiment quite fast, a bunch of different ideas. I think that also for giving talks, there is a bunch of preparation that is needed. And I think that has taught me a lot, like needing to prepare myself to give talks. Like beyond all that, it's super fun as you start making friends and having this community of people who are going to conferences in the same conferences, in the same regions, in the same groups that organize them. And you get to touch point once a year and find out what have you been up to in the last year? Like, how are things moving? It's all about the friends we make along the way, blah, blah. <laughs> um, I remember we went to Tokyo and got to meet all of the uh, front-end folks that work on Juicebox.Money. Most of them are from Australia, and it was, uh, yeah, very different than being on Discord and being able to talk face-to-face -face definitely brings a, a different level to the work relationship. I think it's a lot easier to kind of like argue with people and butt heads with people when you're just typing behind a screen. But when you actually meet people face to face, there's like a different level of communication and sort of discussion that can take place that's usually a lot more like civil and, and friendly. So I think a lot of DAOs, if members were able to meet up more frequently, I feel like at least some of the conflict would probably be alleviated just by um, being able to actually meet up and get a sense of what people are like and, you know, what their motivations are, what their interests are, and sort of how you relate to them in a context that isn't like keyboard warrior. Uh, so 
I've definitely thought about that before as one of the huge benefits to working on a team and being able to meet up occasionally. If nothing else, it just helps to kind of get rid of some of that remote work. I don't want to say tension, but some of the the downsides that can come along with always being behind a computer screen. Yeah, and they're like good and bad parts for both things, right? There are some, some superpowers that uh, in-personal relations can bring. There is some efficiency to it, but there is just like good and bad parts for both. And I think I really, really appreciate the good ones of the in real life part. You were speaking about friends. I- I'm curious, if, do you have any thoughts on uh, friend tech that has been going crazy over the last couple of weeks? I don't know if you've used this this app, but have you heard about it? I have it, no Zik? idea what you're talking about. What's the name of this? Really? It's a uh, friend tech, like friend.tech. I don't know. It, it's been very... place for your friends. What the fuck? Okay, I'm going to check this later, <laughs> but I haven't heard of that at all. Really? I'm, I'm surprised. It's been all the rage over the last, uh, I don't know, week and a half, two weeks. So I, I just thought I would ask because you mentioned friends, but... Yeah, I know. I landed back in Brazil about a week ago, and I've been like on the reorg- like reorganizing life and trying to create a routine and getting work done. So I haven't been exploring, like, very curious to check this. I'm going to have something to do right right away when, when we finish this. <laughs> yeah, it's a, uh, it's a PWA, so it's not an iPhone app, but it's like a, you know, a little browser-based app that you can add to your home screen. So it kind of gets around the App Store restrictions that way. And the basic idea is that you set up an account connected to your Twitter and it sets up a wallet on base L2 and you're able to buy, they used to call them shares, but they now call them keys. And so for example, I want to have access to a, basically what's a private chat with someone. I can buy their key and I gain access to their like private channel. So the, you know, there's something of like an OnlyFans or like Patreon sort of dynamic to it, but the kind of kicker is that it's uh, tradable. So I not only can I buy your key to gain access to this private channel, but I can also sell it and the prices go along a bonding curve. So as more people buy them, uh, the price actually goes up and it can also go down. So it's, it's interesting. I I think it has a lot, (laughs) a lot of potential to be dystopian, but it's also pretty fun. uh, I think Um, it's still really janky. So the app is pretty, you know, buggy and shitty, which is even more fun. But uh, yeah, I just thought thought I would ask. So yeah, check it out and let us know what you think. Yeah, thanks for showing me this. So before we wrap up, is there anything that we didn't cover that you want to discuss or any final thoughts that you want to close on? Yes, I think a little bit of where I'm moving and what I'm focusing on now that is might be interesting for anyone listening if they want to collaborate if they're working in similar areas for the last three months now, uh, focusing on trying to build South America or Latin America in general and Africa, like projects focusing on those regions, uh, looking into refi, into on the ground, in real, in real life connected projects and whatever public goods generating types of structures uh, we can think of. There's a lot of 
mycelian work to do, let's say, like thinking of like uh, the forest and the fungi and how you can connect things. There's like lots of things to do in there. So pretty interested in getting to know any and all projects that are building good shit, focusing on on the big game of global finance system, uh, understanding that as an infinite game and trying to change the rules and taking the approach of trying to change the rules by playing with the people who are not winning on that game. I think that there is a, a better strategy than trying to change the rules in the yard of the current leaderboard number one players that have 13 aircraft carriers or big guns or nuclear or whatever. I think playing on, on softer grounds with more people that are willing to collaborate that can actually get value and life-changing back and life-changing coordination and life-changing protocols, not only life-changing money, flipping things, like there is a good space to build for that. And if you're doing something on the sort that you find that touches that kind of thing, well, reach out. It's Zug everywhere. Like it's Zug on Twitter, it's Zug on Telegram, it's Zug on Discord. Uh, just say say hi and happy to take a look to learn what you're doing or bring feedback or bring integrations and partners as as it makes sense. Open invitation to specifically come build in Brazil. I still don't understand why people in crypto are not living here. It's cheap and it's great. Really can't get why people got so much snow if they can get summer. <laughs> but that open invitation stays for all. Uh, although I know some people really like the code. I just don't understand, but I know. So there's also that. And yeah, I guess that's it. And thank you for thank you for having me and for having interesting questions. I, it gets me thinking. I guess I didn't know half of the answers I gave before I gave them. That makes it more fun. Uh, so thank you. Yeah, thanks so much for joining us, Sook. You know, we always loved your presence at the Juicebox town halls. And, you know, we miss hearing your voice there. And we're really excited to see what you're doing on your journey and uh, like, especially the mycelium growth thing. Like it's, it's interesting. It reminds me of this book by Peter Wolobin. It's called like the life of trees. And I always felt like there was like an interesting symbol of like how trees are all connected by like the roots and how that in a similar way is like representative of like DAOs and communities and how we're all connected and what we're doing in like crypto and like exploring like this new digital frontier. And, and on that note, I just wanted to say thanks again for taking the time to chat with us. You know, we love to connect with you. We love your energy and we're really excited to see what you do next. Happy to be here and happy to see you guys at JB again. I do miss the people, but I also miss the song. That is something that I <laughs> like, I constantly miss that song oh, and yeah. I cannot find it anywhere. That should be like on the docks, like that, that should be like pinned <laughs> on the dock, like hell house song. Oh. That would be a, a, an important thing to have or not, but maybe. <laughs> yeah, we need to mint it. It needs to be available at all times, 24 seven forever on the blockchain because yeah, it's a weird part of the culture like the other day um like we just had the town hall last night and uh Riley and I were hosting it because Philip was away we're staying with my with my parents and uh my mom walks into the room and we were like playing the song on on Riley's phone through the microphone <laughs> and it's just it's anyone listening who isn't in the community it just thinks we're fucking crazy juice box goes out west <laughs>
<laughs> Mama, don't let your buddy come cowboys. I can't I can't get over this. Like I'll never get over uh, it. Oh, it's such a funny part of the culture. Again, you could never explain it to someone. You just have to you just have to be there and embrace the the silliness. Yeah, and like there's many of those little cultural things that I I've been like loving that the juice cast has been happening because I've been away for a good time now. The uh, newsletter and the and the podcast. So really appreciate you guys keeping that up. Uh, it lets me have a concentrated amount of juice box in a little amount of time instead of doing. 12 hours of this quarter a day <laughs> i can i can get a few hours a week and get get to know what's going on so thank you for this all right well thank you so much sick and we'll see you around juice box very soon i'm sure and maybe uh catch you at a conference one day as well that would be great we'd love to hang out so yeah thanks again for uh, taking the time to chat and yeah let's build some cool shit let's go